This episode of Wish Breakaway is brought to you by you. Thank you so much for supporting us. We do Rangers 365. Could not do it without you. All right, and as you know, we're part of The Athletic, and today The Athletic released a mock draft for the first round, the entire first round. The beat writers from each team did a mock for the entire first round. They kind of do, like, little summaries of why they made that pick, etc. And there's some really great insight from reporters who know their team best, and you can find that at story right now if you're listening early morning Tuesday during the A1 section of The Athletic's new front page section. Brand new Athletic front page, A1 section. They're going to have the best stories placed on that day from The Athletic, so you can check that out. You can always use promo code BSB if you want to sign up. I mean, just saying, just saying, you can use promo code BSB, all lowercase. So check that out. And if you want to hear more about that, we're going to do a whole BSB episode later in the week about the Athletic Mock Draft because I think it's particularly very interesting. And I do think the Athletic writers are on to something with some of their particular picks. So that'll be coming out. Actually, BSB OT will be early this week on Wednesday. But for now, let's get to uh, it's awards day in the NHL. Uh, always news on a Monday, as co- of course, September 21st. Do you remember? And uh, let's get to the show, shall we? Here we go. Five, four, three, two. Transition to the show. Fans. Welcome to the week of the Bushman Breakaway. I am your host, Ryan Mead, and I'm also here with my co-host, Greg Kaplan. And we are officially, sometimes we like live react in this podcast. We're pretty much live reacting right now to the results of the uh, heart voting and all the other awards, too. Leon Dreisaitl has won the heart. Greg, say hello. I, You know what? I honestly, I, I for the life of me, Ryan, I don't, I don't know what's more offensive. Mm-hmm. I really don't. I, I don't know what's more offensive. The fact that Dreisaitl winning the heart is one thing. Tony D'Angelo getting more Norris votes than Quinn Hughes and Jonas Brodeen and Jared Spurgeon. And Quinn Hughes won and the as many Calder. votes as Miro Hiskinen. It's oh, no, like, Markar won. Markar won. We gotta, guys. We we have to we have to take away some voting privileges here. This this is an abomination. Yeah, all uh, of it. Only one person voted first place for Adam Fox in the Calder. And that was our friend Sean Shapiro. There you go. So it's... Uh, oh, I didn't even get to the Calder. I forgot about the... Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, fourth Just place abso- for our good friend Adam Fox. Absolutely incredible. What? It's just... This is honestly... This more than anything else. I've said this about Hall of Fame balloting for baseball. But this also rings true with hockey. This shit needs to be public. We, oh, it has to be. I need to know who voted and how. Because I need to ask them serious, honest questions. Like, yes, I'm going to have an opinion that will sound antagonistic for sure. But I, I have honest questions that I need to ask all of these people about how they construct their ballot, how they consume this league, how they grade the sport. These are important questions because these are the people that the the common fan go to for, for answers and, and for advice and for trying to figure out what it is they're seeing in front of them. And th- this is honestly, honestly, Ryan, mm-hmm. a gross misre- misrepresentation of the season. It is. This, big time. It's terrible. It's terrible. And one of the reasons for that is, you know, I grew up on NBA podcasts pretty hard, or at least over the last, like, seven years. And those guys take it really seriously. I think they put deep and detailed thoughts. Like, Zach Lowe puts way too much into his NBA first team and second team and third team and his MVP ballot. Like, it's... Very, very serious. 
Now you can make you could say that some people don't take it as seriously, but it's your job to cover hockey. It's your job to let people who can't watch every single game. You're a historian of the game, and Dreisaitl was not the best player in the league this year. I mean, I could make a case for Panarin. No. I mean, I really can. I think he was probably the heart candidate. Evolving Wild thinks he's the heart candidate that should have won. But it's probably McKinnon. Really. It's really probably McKinnon. And it, Dreisaitl is... Yeah, is, I agree. He's not even a top five in my eyes. Like, he doesn't... To me, Connor McDavid deserves it more than him. I, I think pa- Pasta got a little screwed here. Like, he had a tremendous season. Like, I know Dreisaitl put up the points, right? He did. He really is just... That's all he did. Like, some of his stats are like, he could pass and shoot. And like, that's it. Like, that's it. So this guy like got ninety. He got ninety-one first place votes. The second highest is McKinnon at forty-eight, and Panarin gets twenty-four total first place votes. With Pasternak getting three at the end. Like to me, that's a travesty. Just truly is. I, you know, the more we've done this podcast, and the more we talk to really smart people, truly incredibly smart people from the I, we we can name names, right? Well, yeah, I mean, Shane Goldman schools us. Yeah, yeah, everybody. Everybody schools us and everybody is smarter than us. And we know that. But if there's if there's one thing I've noticed more, the more we do this podcast, the more we talk to people, the more high profile people we talk to, this sport is truly regional. And what I mean by that is when we talk to Rick Carpinello about the Rangers, Rick is tuned in on everything going on with the Rangers, but he doesn't really have an idea, nor does he want to have an idea about what's going on with the Oilers or the Avalanche. When we talk to our dear friend, Murat Atesh, he is, he knows everything about Winnipeg, not just the Jets, but the entire city. But he'll come to us and he'll be like, hey guys, what's going on with Neil Peon? And we'll be, and it's a phenomenon that I am still, I've still thrown off a little bit about because when baseball writers talk about baseball, they know like the seventh man in the Padres bullpen, even if they're covering the St. Louis Cardinals. Well, this is the same way in the NBA, it's, for sure. Yeah, these guys know everything about everything. But with hockey, it feels like you know everything about your city, and then you'll know about the players that visit your city, but you won't know the whole story. And that you'll know your rivals. Fair, Ryan, like we know the Metro really well. I would say we are right, very I'm, familiar. But, but here's here's the thing. Hand up. We are not. I. I understand that we are throwing stones at glass houses right now. We are. But the whole reason why you and I bring people on from different markets is because we admit that we don't know enough. We're going to talk to Jeremy Rutherford tonight about everything going on in St. Louis, everything going on with Petrangelo, everything going on with possible Vince Dunn trades. They just lost their assistant GM to become the new general manager in Arizona. They hired Jim Montgomery to be their new assistant coach. We admit that we need to know more about the Blues. So we go out there and we're going to ask because we need to know. And also we want I get the feeling done. that hockey writers with, – with hockey writers, I legitimately get the feeling, not all of them. Again, I am, I, I'm trying not to paint the broadest of brushes, but I am just making commentary about what I see when it comes to voting. And it's not like this is a one-year phenomenon. Sometimes hockey writers just look at points and they let points dictate – what the narrative must be. I don't, I honestly, and we're, we'll have uh, our friend Daniel Nugent Brown back on the podcast because I'm going to need to know. I don't think you can come away thinking Leon Dreisaitl was the best player on the Edmonton Oilers this year. No, he wasn't. Connor McDavid exists. He's real. I've seen him. He's the best player in hockey. 
He got fifth overall. Now this I will year. say, I will say this. I will say this. Uh, I refuse to believe that just because, like, Leon Dreisaitl, two of the most valuable players in the league can come from one team, right? I, I'm not saying There's that. There's many I'm not situations saying, where this I, is true. Yes. Right. I get. I get really annoyed when someone will say that one player took votes away from a player on his own team. Like what Steph because Curry and Kevin Durant were together or. Right. Like I, I, I don't subscribe to that belief at the same time, just because Leon Dreisaitl had more points, more points than Connor McDavid. That does not mean he was more valuable. Like we need the, the, the term, the word valuable, the definition has changed. It is no longer in baseball. It is no longer who hits the most home runs, who drives in the most runs, who hits for the highest average, right? Mm-hmm. It's not a conglomerate of those three things anymore. We have, we have progressed as a sports watching society to understand that there is more that goes into a player's value than whether his team is good and whether he puts up gaudy numbers. I just, I honestly, when you look back on this year and you think about all the injuries that Colorado had to work through and how that team still before the pandemic, after the pandemic was the most dynamic team any of us have seen all year. And the reason for that largely, not just, McCarr, but more importantly, McKinnon. I don't know how you walk away from this season thinking anything besides the fact that Nathan McKinnon made the Colorado Avalanche relevant. And the same thing can be applied to Artemi Panarin. But if you want to give the tie break to the fact that the Avalanche were one of the best teams, if not the best team in the Western Conference for the majority of the season, almost exclusively because Nathan McKinnon was the one person who stayed healthy all year long, I... I don't know how you look back on this season and think that there was a player better than Nathan McKinnon this year. Yeah. I really don't. It doesn't tell the right narrative. It doesn't tell the right story. You should be able to look back and say, no. oh, who was the who was the player of the year that year? Like, to this year, to, to me, was Nathan McKinnon's breakout year. Like, hey, I'm dominant, and I could be the best player in this league. And yes, Artemi Panarin, you could make the case for him too, but I'd have him second. I really would. Like, yes, I'm a homer-biased Ranger fan, and without the, I don't even want to picture a world where the Rangers didn't have Artemi Panarin. And by the way, they still spelt his goddamn name wrong. There's no Y at the end. I don't know. I, I still never—I don't understand that. Everyone just doesn't type it with a Y, but he puts the Y at the end on, on his own Twitter. I don't—fix the name. What's the problem? Um, but with Nathan McKinnon, like, he probably should have won. I don't look at this year and go, wow, what a dominant year from Dreisaitl. Like, the Oilers struggled. Like, they did. I don't know. It's, it's right, but I, I, I do. I try to we, I do try to remove what the, like, it's an individual award. So we have we almost have to separate the team result, right? Yes. At the same time, it's hard to look at it. It's just like I, I use the team result almost as a tiebreak, right? I, you can't blame Mike Trout for the Angels only winning seventy four games a year which some people try to do, right? They say this guy can't be the most valuable player in the world. How could he be? His team stinks. That's not Mike Trout's fault. It's not Nathan McKinnon's fault that every Colorado Avalanche got injured this year. And despite every Avalanche getting injured this year, Nathan McKinnon still dragged that team to the top of the of the conference. Like, what, if that's not going to be enough, what he needs to score 120 points? Well, just rename the award. Just rename the award. Give the award to the player who scores the most points. Because I think that's what the writers want it to be. That That is what the writers are telling us that they perceive value to be. Oh, you scored the most points, which means you had the biggest impact on your team. Therefore, you must be the league's most valuable player. That's not the definition of the award. 
Well, uh, if, you, if you want that to be the def, change the definition, Ryan. Change the definition. That's be. all you have to do. Let, let's just let let's let's stop the charade. Don't call it the league's most valuable player. Call it something else. Call it the league's highest scoring player. Because if if the purpose of this award is to anoint the player that was the most valuable in the league, I don't know. I literally cannot comprehend how that conclusion isn't Nathan McKinnon. And this is a again. A New York Rangers podcast. It I is. would like to be angry that it's not Artemi Panarin. Yes. I get it. I want to be the homer. I, oh, but, but and by the way, I you can sit, make a case. We have friends that are very smart. You can, smart. absolutely. The because, twins. again, it's one of those situations where if Artemi Panarin didn't twins? exist, if if the if the Panarin if Panarin doesn't exist on the Rangers, they are a team that wins. They they maybe get 50 points. Maybe. 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 They're atrocious. It depends, it depends how much Mika Zibanejad does by himself, right? But it's... I can't be as much as I would love to be a homer. I would have I would have said it's the it's the best award in the world if Panarin won. But I would still come on this podcast and say, you know what, Ryan, it was probably right. It was probably Nathan McKinnon. Yeah, like no, it's probably was. it's so clear to me. I I don't get it. I re, I really don't. And I I I can't be angry about the Calder. I personally thought it was a toss up between three worthy defensemen yeah. in McCarr, Quinn Hughes. Yeah, I think Fox should be Adam third. Fox. I think it should be third. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I I it I guess I get that. Uh, Kubelik or whatever his name had 30 goals this year. I get it. I get that the Chicago Blackhawks were a little bit better than people thought they would be. I, I understand. But I, I, you look at everything Adam Fox Adam did Fox this year. Adam Fox is playing at like $11.5 million salary for like no, for entry yeah. level. Like, Adam Fox literally tried to play defense by himself because he didn't have any help. And yet not only not only does Fox until not the top three. really came up and they started blending it all. But before then, they he was by himself. You're right. I I would even say Lindgren was very happy to ride along with Fox. It was still a lot of Adam Fox. I just I agree. It's just I, they settled I, at that point. Like it, it took a while for him to get I, there. I wanted to come on this podcast and be angry about the people that were jumping in my mentions because I simply suggested the Rangers should look at trading for Alex Kerfoot if the Leafs were going to make him available. But then you opened my eyes to what this voting is. It is quite honestly, I. It's, I, I consider it a sham. I, I, tragic, I, I don't really. want to use the word travesty because, right, it, I don't want to use the word travesty because I, I, it, we're in a pandemic. Mm-hmm. There are so many more important things than who wins a silly award of course. in the National Hockey League. But this is a hockey podcast. This is just sheer misrepresentation of what the 2019-2020 season was. What else is it, crazy it, about this? This is, this is wrong. Did you get when we down look back the on list? This, did you get like to the bottom of the list? Because it gets a little even more ridiculous. There's three. I, there's, honestly, there's three Vancouver players on here. You would you say Elias Pettersson? I saw is, that JP Miller got like a fifth place vote. He did. Elias Pettersson got three fifth place votes. I could make a case that guy is a top twenty player in the NHL right now. Period. Like I could make a case he's probably a, a top fifteen player in the NHL right now. Three fifth place votes. Jacob Marstrom also got a one fourth place vote. Like it, this thing is, it's a ridiculous contest. I wish it was public and I wish people had to release their ballots because it is very confusing. Yeah. And you know what? I would read every explanation as to why if every reporter who had a vote had to release a two paragraph statement as to why they voted the way they did, I'd read all of them. I'd probably disagree with a lot of them, but I'd read them and I'd want to hear what they have to say. And it's, I just, 
for for you, like life will go on, right? Yeah. But the thing that annoys me about Absolutely. these awards is that these awards will now be used further down the road to justify Hall of Fame balloting, right? Like, but I don't think Nathan McKinnon, if his career continues along the projection that is currently continuing along, I don't think he's going to necessarily have a problem getting into the National Hockey League's Hall of, or the Hockey Hall of Fame. Uh, but the fact that like a Leon Dreisaitl award here will help prop up his candidacy further down the road when it's just when we look back on the season a scholar hockey historian will tell you that this award was wrong but the casual fan will say it can't be this is the outcome it's just it it drives it drives me bonkers when when awards are as wrong as they are like this this is unjustified unnecessary and again, you, if you want to come at me, and I know someone will come at me and say that this is just a homer opinion I have against the Oilers. This is a New York Ranger podcast, and I'm telling you the most deserving player was a Colorado Avalanche, and it wasn't even close. It was close. At best, the Rangers should have finished second. At best. Yes. At best. Agree. But I could, I, I could make the case that it was supposed to be closer, especially with Panarin. If you really break down into the stats, that's again, we talked about how dumb we are. That's not us. I can't do that. But I think when I, for, for people who are smart, like the Twins, who could explain, hey, this is why Artemi Panarin is the answer, not McKinnon, I think you could make at least the argument. But with Dreisaitl, I don't even think you can make the argument. And he won in a landslide. It wasn't even close. That's what's, it, that's what's so pathetic. It's just bonkers. Truly bonkers, man. Um, I, 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 don't know, I, don't, I don't know what most hockey writers go into seeing when they make their ballots. I... I don't share the vision that they share. I don't know if I ever will be able to share that vision with them. Dude, that gift where it's like, are we the bad guys? You know what I mean? Like, are we the ones that are wrong? No, it's the kids. Like, I don't know who's... How how is this such a popular opinion? I always think this like no, there's always these times where you're you're out on Twitter or, or somewhere else. And you're like that can't be what everyone thinks, right? Like that's we're all joking, and then you learn no, it's the truth, and it's it's kind of a point like oh. Am I the stupid one, or is it them? I have no idea. Uh, and in this case, I believe it to be them. Yeah, like how does how does Markstrom get a fourth place vote? C- confused. How does how does Tristan like you're filling out a ballot? Are you just giving away fourth and fifth place votes to, to guys, to guys you, like? you like? Yeah, it has to be like Patrick Kane. Like I don't know, man. He got a fifth place vote this year. Ninety but- Ryan, ninety one first place votes. That is a Leon lot. That's a lot. I don't know. I don't know what's. I honestly, from where I sit, I don't know what's more offensive to me: Dreisaitl getting 91 first place votes, or the five people that voted Nathan McKinnon fifth. <laughs> like I, I think I honestly think the five people who legitimately looked at their ballot and said, "You know what, Nathan McKinnon was the fifth most valuable player this year." I guess they I put honestly think that might be more offensive. Pass their neck above him, I guess, and. Connor you have to find four people better than him, Ryan. And, and you know what? I guarantee you on all five of those ballots, two of the people play for the goddamn Oilers. Yeah. Like it's – I don't I, – I, that that I think is more – like fine. You want to give the award to the most points, 91 of you, go for it. The five of you who put Nathan McKinnon in fifth, and I'll even say the 15 that put Nathan McKinnon in fourth, you should have voting rights terminated immediately because you are watching a different sport. You are not in. You are not ingesting the same thing the rest of us are ingesting. And it's fine to have your That's opinion. Offensive. I just want to know what you, how you came upon that. That's my question. 
Was it points? Incredible. Because then we have an issue. Would you see something else I didn't see? Please educate me. I would like to know. Absolutely uh, incredible. All right. Uh, we're going to talk to our friend in a couple seconds here and our coworker, Mr. Rutherford. But before that, uh, we were going to do five-star questions. We don't have enough time, so we're going to save them for after the interview. But while we're waiting, we should talk about Vitaly Krastov and what he's doing over in the KHL, at least quickly. Um, we, I made a joke saying we should all freak out. It was a joke. I want to be clear. He's been playing in the KHL. He's pretty much a point-per-game player right now and seems to be turning around his entire like career narrative. Again, 21 over in the KHL, doing whatever he or is about to turn 21. Uh, and has has scored a lot of beauties. Was even even made the Sports Center top ten, which I don't know if that's an accomplish anymore because no one watches Sports Center. But at least that's kind of yeah. Cool. Honestly, I was more surprised that uh, there was still a top ten than Kraftstoff making the top. The Sports Center like, tweet said, out like every single night the top ten. I feel like that's a good idea. Maybe they don't do. I that. don't know. I I can't tell you the last time I tried to sit down and watch. You know what's funny? Sports Center used to be so critical to my daily life. Crucial. To a point where I would, I I would feel robbed if I didn't wake up in time to watch a full hour before going to school, and then when we were in college, it was on I all would, day, baby. I would just watch Sports Center on in the background all day long, all day, and I would feel comforted by it. I I can't. I don't know what the circumstances would have to be for me today, on September twenty first, the year two thousand and twenty, or on the on the uh, yeah exactly, or in the in the Hebrew calendar, the year fifty seven eighty one. Uh, shout out to all my Rosh Hashanah oh, followers hey. out there. Happy New Year, everybody. Uh, Lashana Tova, everyone. But I don't I, I don't know what circumstances would have to lead to me actually watching sports. Yeah, it's strange. I, I don't know what would have to happen. I watched a clip from uh, online of our time, uh, not our time, our, our Vidali Kraftstoff on there, but that was like the only time I've watched sports in the past like six months. Maybe, no, that's even too soon. Uh, way, way longer than that. But yes, Vitaly seems to be doing quite well. I don't really have like a breakdown of his game in my head. I watch all the gifts that he scores. Everyone on Twitter I know freaks out. It's like, oh, he scored again. Keep doing it, baby. Keep going over there and grinding. Hope we'll see you back in March. You know, that, that's that's pretty much where I'm at. I, I'm, I'm excited. I hope he continues. Hope he continues to dominate in, in, in the KHL. Comes back, does the exact same thing here. That's it. I, I really have no right. other It's It's honestly... It's the best case scenario. It's exactly what you would hope to see. It's exactly what a prospect of Kravtsov's caliber should be doing. Um, he's playing top-line minutes. He's earning those minutes. He's firing shots left and right. He's playing with more confidence. Big time. It's everything you would want. And honestly, it, I, I think that we weren't going to see him until the KHL season was over either way. Um I wouldn't bring him back to New York unless there was a top nine role for him immediately available. I, I just, I let him cook, man. This is great. He even, even from a, will this help the Rangers in the long term standpoint? Absolutely. But more importantly, boy, the, the wonder this is doing for his potential trade value. If it comes to that as well, if it does, like this is, this is literally the best case scenario for a New York Ranger prospect during a time in which, Hockey is not going to be played here in the United States. And during a time in which we don't know when hockey will be played again in the United States. So it's this perfect. This perfect. I hope it keeps going. Same. It's wonderful to watch. And if you're out there like, hey, he's playing so hot, we should bring him back for the season. Like, don't. I, I still, even though there's studies that say it's not true, I do believe in momentum and chemistry and, and pushing those things. Like, you don't want to break that confidence. Keep him over there until he's ready. Let him finish the season and come back, when he, come back strong when we're playing in March. That's it. Let him go. All right. Uh, anything else we want to touch on before we get to our guest today? I just want to uh, 
the circling back to Alex Kerfoot real quick, mm-hmm. there will be a podcast where we talk more in depth about Kerfoot possibly being a trade target. This probably isn't the week to do it. I just want to remind people that are that jumped in our mentions saying the likes of uh, the man rocket himself, Patrick Kodorenko, Justin Richards, Morgan Barron, as reasons why the Rangers shouldn't go out and acquire Alex Kerfoot. Guys, oh, Alex I don't know how to, better than I, them. Not not just that, but I I don't know how to remind people that the large overwhelming majority of your favorite prospects aren't going to pan out the way you think they're going to pan out. In fact, it's it's the really like top five percent that actually become what we think and hope they become. So don't let prospects be the reason why you shouldn't acquire a young, uh, reasonably priced, if not underpriced middle six center that is defensively responsible. Like all those guys, their best possible outcomes are Alex Kerfoot. You know what's better than hoping one of those guys becomes Alex Kerfoot? Alex Kerfoot. Wow. Just it's, it's family guy, baby. Don't take the mystery box. Just take the boat. That's all it is. I do love the mystery box video. Uh, it is it's perfect. It gets me every time. I think I use it. I think we've used it on this podcast. I think you just four years ago on me. Mac. Yeah. Oh, we used it. We used it for like when we talked about this dumb Khalil Mack trade that the Raiders made, right? You you traded Khalil Mack hoping to one day acquire a new Khalil Mack. No, just keep Khalil Mack. Like that's all you have to do. Seems good. Don't overthink it. All right. Some guy. Prospects are fun. Prospects are fancy, but just remember they're prospects. There's a good chance they don't pan out. So go get the proven commodity sometimes. Just saying. Before we get to our friend, Jeremy Rutherford, let's take a quick break from our sponsors, Transition. Week two of football is in the books, and now is the time to review the tape and get ready for week three. There is no better place to get on all the action than you know where, DraftKings Sportsbook. America's top-rated sportsbook app. To add to the excitement of Week 3, DraftKings Sportsbook is bringing back their can't-miss offer. If you haven't tried DraftKings Sportsbook yet, head to the App Store now because you don't want to miss this. DraftKings Sportsbook is giving all new users a chance to turn $1 into $100. When? They bet on any team. Any team? That's right. You can place $1 bet on any team, and if that team wins, you can win a cool Benjamin. How can you pass that up? Don't worry. If football isn't for you, DraftKings is giving you, all the MMA fans, the same great offer this weekend for UFC 253. DraftKings is safe, reliable, secure, and making it easy for you to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code QUICK when you sign up. You can't get the, with this can't-miss offer, which I told you about just seconds ago. Pick any team during week three, bet $1 on them, and win $100 if they win. That's $1 to win $100, and if you use promo code QUICK during sign-up for a limited time, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Promo code QUICK. Must be 21 year older. New Jersey only. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook. For details, gambling problems, call 1-800-GAMBLER. And today's podcast is brought to you by Roman. Talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually we just brush it off with or blame ourselves by saying things like I lost my mojo or we avoid it altogether with excuses like I had a long day at work or sorry, honey, I'm not feeling it or hey, the Mets were on. But with Roman, it's easy to talk about. With a real healthcare professional who could prescribe you real medication, it's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all for the comfort of the privacy of your home. A healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Get started is easy and simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash BlueShirtsBreakaway 
and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today and connect with a healthcare professional to take care of it. Get Go to roman.com slash breakaway today. If you are approved, you get $15 off your first order of ED treatment. That's getroman.com slash breakaway. Getroman.com slash breakaway. Back to the show. Hey, we're back with our guest of the day. We're continuing to educate ourselves and try and steal players from other uh, markets in the NHL. We have Jeremy Rutherford. He is a sports writer for The Athletic. Jeremy, how are you doing on this fine evening of the September the 21st? Oh, doing great, doing great. Yeah, great weather here in St. Louis. I hope you guys uh, have the same. It's uh, finally fall. I'm not melting. So that's a beautiful <laughs> thing. Uh, I guess first question, do you remember the 21st night of September? Do I remember it? Yes. Uh, it's uh, making a shitty joke. Anyway, let's talk actual hockey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, we, we, we've, uh, we've already learned that Jeremy's not a big Earth, Wind, and Fire fan. Okay, so got we that. can put that Oh, on. I know what you're saying. No, I did see that was uh, a, a big trending topic uh, the other day. Yeah, every so, single uh, year. Uh, yeah, yeah. All right. Let's get right into it then. Um, there's been a lot going on with the St. Louis Blues of recently in hockey news. Recently, they lost their assistant GM, who is now the head uh, GM in Arizona. And they also hired a, an assistant coach who had sort of a strange background. What's it been like covering the team over the past couple weeks? Oh, I'll tell you what. I remember my boss said a couple weeks ago, he said, hey, if you want to take a week or two off. And, and I was like, yeah, it doesn't seem to be, you know, other than Alex Petrangelo, a, a huge story doesn't seem to be a lot of other things going on and then whammo you know bill armstrong is uh hired in arizona and then jim montgomery the two guys you referenced uh, is added to the blue staff to take over for mark savard so uh typically i write one maybe two stories a week uh, but i think last week had three up at the athletic st louis so it has been a busy week uh from from a complete outsider perspective on our end here jeremy how significant was the Jim Montgomery news in St. Louis? I, I feel like we could have seen the Armstrong becoming a GM. It was a matter of where, not if. But Montgomery being added to the Blues staff after how things ended in Dallas, all while Dallas, mind you, is playing in the Stanley Cup final. What, what was that even like to cover? Yeah, I think that it's big news. I really do. And when I saw the headline, I was upset with myself because it should have smacked me in the face a couple weeks ago uh, because um, Jim Montgomery, I knew, was living in St. Louis. And I didn't know when he would get back into hockey. I didn't know if the Blues would have any interest. Uh, but when Mark Savard just decided to step back, and he was, of course, the uh, power play coach, and the power play was really good, number three in the league, and Jim Montgomery is an offensive guy who – uh, you know, has specialized in the power play as well. You know, it should have been pretty obvious that they were going to talk to him. And so uh, they did, but it came together relatively quick, you know, over a week's time. Uh, but to me, it's big news because, I mean, that was the story in the NHL when it happened, when Dallas uh, let go of them. And uh, obviously the Blues had to do their due diligence. So what I did at the Athletic, I said, hey, listen, everybody knows the story about him getting fired. Everybody knows the story. Uh, that it's an undisclosed incident that nobody knows about. Um, but it's a situation where uh, Jim Montgomery had to explain to the Blues what happened and kind of get their blessing. And so I was really interested in how that all came together. And I think Jim and, and both Doug Armstrong uh, did a great job talking about the process they went through before that hiring took place. Well, I, it's good that they obviously worked that all out beforehand, but it, it continues to surprise me. And I wonder if it surprises you too, Jeremy, that 
if you're a head coach in the NHL one time, you could always get a job. Like your job security is just eternal. It's going to be till you, till you leave this earth, you can still coach in the NHL, and it still feels that no matter what you do, you can do that. And I, I'm all for second chances in all walks of life. I'm all for rehabilitation and such like that. But this has to be a surprising move for at least some St. Louis Blues fans, right? Like, are some people shocked? Well, you would think, and I do understand what you're saying. You know, it's kind of like a recycling bin. And, and obviously, you know, Jim hasn't been in that recycling bin very often. Uh, his just happened to be one of the most uh, notorious cases of, of a guy getting fired because no one really knew why. Uh, but I think I was surprised that that was not the reaction, even even from a small percentage of fans in St. Louis. Every reply I saw to my tweet, every comment I saw to the story said, good for Jim. Uh, glad that the Blues were able to, uh, you know, kind of sit down with him and, and find out more about the person and decide that he was worth a second chance. I mean, I, I'm I'm being completely honest here. If I saw one or two comments that said they should have never hired him. I'd tell you about it. I didn't see those one or two comments. So I don't know if in St. Louis, we just have the most understanding people in the history of blue uh, hockey fans, mm-hmm. but uh, I, d- I did not see anybody reacting that way. Uh, obligatory best fans in baseball line that gets dropped in right here, <laughs> apparently too. Uh, yeah. I, w- I will, <laughs> Jeremy, I will, I will say if it was first, it was Jim Montgomery, but then it, it just felt like the blues wanted to dominate the back pages leading into the Stanley cup, because the next thing we know is you're dropping a story telling us that the thing we all assumed was going to happen now might not happen. And that's Alex Petrangelo might actually play for a different team next year. What in the world? How did this happen? Yeah, it's, it's been that now that one has been tough to comprehend here in St. Louis. You know, the guy becomes the first player, obviously captain um, in the 52 year history of the St. Louis blues to hoist the Stanley cup. Everybody knew his contract was going to expire a year later, and this was going to be a slam dunk that that he would be back. Now he is 30 years old, but, you know, he's got a lot of good hockey left in him. And so, uh, you know, as I wrote in the story, uh, Alex went to uh, the Blues last summer, and uh, they had some negotiations, some talks about potentially getting a contract done. And and, uh, according to Alex, Doug said that uh, he'd, he'd prefer to wait until the CBA came out and and uh, know what the cap is and so on and so forth. And so now here we are fast forward through a pandemic. Uh, well, here we are in September and still don't have a deal done. And not only that, but they've broken off talks. So it's definitely gone sideways. I was able to, to sit down and over the phone and talk with Alex Petrangelo last Friday night. And to my shock, he kind of spilled his guts a little bit in terms of how he feels about how the situation uh, has gone and he's extremely disappointed you just don't typically see free agents to be go on the record and voice this kind of uh, disappointment um, last thing I'll say is that uh, does it speak to you know him revving up the PR machine and and wanting people to know that he wants to be here yeah, yeah sure but it's also a situation where he's earned the right I think to say whatever he wants and uh, I really did appreciate the honesty well, when you were to Stanley Cup like that after the drought that St. Louis had, I mean, you you earned that privilege. Is there, I guess there are a lot of teams, including uh, the very famous, I don't know if you heard of the Toronto Maple Leafs, that are really <laughs> looking to, uh, to, to poach a player like that. Have you heard any of those rumors? So the teams that I've heard that uh, are interested are uh, Toronto, uh, as you mentioned, hmm. uh, Florida, and uh, Vegas. And Vegas might even be 
the front runner in terms of all the interest uh, that I've heard. And of course, as you guys know, rules prohibit these teams for contacting. <laughs> Is that a disclaimer we need to read here? Yes. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, these teams are definitely interested and, uh, they're going to have to wait until, till they see how this plays out. And if they have a chance at Alex Petrangelo, they are going to have to clear some cap room, you know, Vegas, Toronto have, you know, issues. Uh, but just like the blues do, they have cap issues. And if you find out there's a number one right side defenseman that wants to be part of your team, whether you're the blues or Vegas, you'll make it happen. I would assume. Are, are we at a point now where it would be more surprising for Petrangelo to come back to St. Louis than it would be if he signs a contract with a different team? I don't think so because we've all seen this movie before. It only takes one phone call. You can have a upset Alex Petrangelo on the phone and he's saying, you know, we're not talking anymore. We've got a couple weeks. I'm looking ahead to free agency. And two days later, Doug Armstrong says, you got your no movement. You got your signing bonus at the end, but you have to do eight times eight. Do we have a deal? And he says, yes. And we're done talking about this. So I don't think the end is uh, here for sure. Um, But I do think after talking to Alex for months and months, after covering him since the night he was drafted in 2008, you know, the guy I've been talking to on the phone has gotten to the point where he's tired of playing the game. He's tired of negotiating. He's tired of everything. And he just wants to get a deal done. So, you know, is there a bit of posturing, I suppose, but when he tells me that his mind is looking ahead to talking to other teams, I don't have any reason to doubt or think that that's just pure pure uh, PR there. Greg, I'll let you uh, set up your, if he does sign, what happens to the player we want question. I, as Ryan basically eloquently put it, and Jeremy, as you said yourself, the St. Louis Blues with or without Alex Petrangero have serious ca- salary cap concerns. Here at Blue Shirts Breakaway, we've been trying to identify players New York Rangers can take advantage of in said situations. Uh, Vince Dunn has become a very popular name circulating around Rangers Twitter, and quite honestly, all of Twitter. Uh, Obviously, the math gets changed a little bit if Petrangelo doesn't sign, but as you told us before we started recording, maybe the math doesn't make any sense. Is there anything Rangers fans should be looking into with Vince Dunn, or is this us just getting our hopes up for no apparent reason? Well, I, I think here's the situation is that if they re-sign Alex Petrangelo, they're going to be looking for ways to shave some uh, salary slash cap. You know, is that trading Tyler Bozak? Are teams interested at Bozak one more year at $5 million? Can they buy out Alexander Steen? Steen's banged up, and you might not be able to buy him out when the window happens. They've already traded Jake Allen, which is one of their big uh, options that they could do in trying to make room for Alex Petrangelo. So, you know, there's only so many things they can do to clear another four, five, six million to fit Alex's eight million in the salary cap. So, I guess if you're going to like a second tier of things that could be done, Vince Dunn, you know, trading him uh, could be one of those things. But here's the deal: this is a guy who has solidified himself in the top six. Um, He's a restricted free agent. He does not have arbitration rights. So they really have all the the leverage here. And, you know, everything I've heard talking to people, you know, he's a guy that's going to cost 
probably 2.5. I don't think he'll get 3 million. Um, and you got a guy who's going to score you 10 plus goals and play 16 minutes a night and his analytics are the best. So it's not a surprise whatsoever that Ranger fans or any fans or are, are looking at Vince Dunn as a potential casualty and thinking, boy, it would be nice to have him. It's just, I would be pretty shocked if the blues reached the conclusion that, okay, we signed Alex. Now we've got to clear some room. One of the best ways to do that is to unload, you know, Vince Dunn and his 2.5 million salary or whatever it winds up being. Um, because here's the thing. One more thing I'll add is they've got a rookie named Nico Mikola, who's about six, five, and he's a good prospect, but he's, he's not played in the NHL, but a couple three games. And then they have Scott Perinovich, the Hobie Baker winner coming. And those guys are both unproven. So I don't know how you can move Vince Dunn and then say, we're going to turn it over to Mikola or Perinovich. We have this really bad like track history of bringing people on that tell us no. And I just wish one time <laughs> one of you would be like, actually, yes, there, this would be a great trade for us. You have a lot of great talent on your team. We could figure it out. Um, <laughs> in this case, that doesn't seem to be. Yeah, the Vidstone the analytics are like extremely good from everything I saw. Um, and I, I'm assuming that's why, as Ranger fans, we would like to go after him is is there any other, like, I guess this team just came off a of Stanley Cup uh, last year, obviously, and they they had a little bit of a tough year. Is What are the aspirations for this team going forward? Obviously, it's always to win a cup every single year, but what, what are the vibes around the team, and, and do they feel like they're still ready to compete? I think so, but here's a couple caveats. Uh, one, you have a banged-up Vladimir Tarasenko who just had his third surgery on the same left shoulder in 28 months. And he may not be back until February. He may miss the entire season. You know, you just don't know after having three surgeries. If you don't sign Alex Petrangelo, now you're missing your best defenseman and your best forward, Vladimir Tarasenko. And so what happens is, does Tarasenko come back okay in, in two years? You know, not next year, but the year after, I suppose. But then guess what? You know, Ryan O'Reilly's 32 years old, you know, with another year or two left on his deal. Um, you have uh, Braden Shen, who, you know, sometimes uh, at some point, I know he just signed an eight-year contract extension, but he plays a physical game, and he's going to be turning 30 or thereabouts. And and so I just don't know what the Blues championship window looks like if they lose Petrangelo and don't have Vladimir Tarasenko, and then all of a sudden you have that core group of guys that won the Cup who are kind of hitting 30 and, and going past it. And so uh, to me, that's why Petrangelo – uh, staying is is a big key to whether this window stays open a little bit. And, you know, don't get me wrong. They've got good young players and Doug Armstrong, the one thing he's done just astronomically well in his 10 years here is he has been able to develop a core and then have another mini core behind it that's developing that is ready to kind of take over by the time the old core is on the way out the door. And, you know, I don't need to give you too many details on, on how he's done that but you know they've got good young players and Robert Thomas and, and so on and so forth ready to take over but in terms of you know continuing what they started with the cup last year I think uh, the percentages decreased dramatically without an Alex Petrangelo on the roster yeah I, I we know Tarasenko is rehabbing and all that but look if you want to go back and trade Tarasenko straight up for Dylan McElrath that's still a deal we'll be happy <laughs> yeah, to do we'll at any it. point in time yeah uh, <laughs> Um, talk, not not quite about Petrangelo, but kind of about Petrangelo. I, I guess it's important for us to talk about the one move 
the St. Louis Blues have made so far, and that was trading Jake Allen to the Montreal Canadiens. Was that was that trade going to happen no matter what, whether uh, Petrangelo was closer to a deal or not? Because like we said earlier, the Blues, one thing they've had to do is create some cap space to do any kind of business. Yeah, it's a good question. I think that it probably would have happened regardless, but I think there was a little bit of Doug Armstrong getting his ducks in a row and making that trade uh, when it was there on the table so that uh, if and when they found some common ground with Alex Petrangelo, they could make it work. But I think it's more the, the former because uh, they signed Billy Huso, a fourth-round pick from 2014 uh, as a goaltender. Um, they signed him to a one-way contract for 750000 back in January. So this goes way back before even the pandemic. And, you know, I think that their plan at that point was to make him the, the backup. And then it just worked out well that Jake Allen had a really good year and there was some trade value there and, and they were able to unload the last year of his salary. So yeah, they're going to save uh, about 3.6 million on the salary cap by making that move with Allen and bringing in Huso to be the backup. Um, but uh, I got to tell you, the second I saw the tweet that the Blues had traded Jake Allen, I texted Alex Petrangelo and I said, close, and he goes, nope. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Well, I'm out of St. Louis Blues questions, so I guess I'll ask the uh, the typical reporter question. Who do you have in the finals? Winning this? Yeah. Um, you know, I guess we'll see uh, what happens game two here, but uh, I, I really like Tampa all along, and I think I did a uh, athletic – we did a little video – before the playoffs started and I just felt like I watched it in St. Louis and I've heard about it from other teams that you really have to be hardened and go through some hardships before you can win a cup. Ken Hitchcock used to talk about it all the time and so you think you're close and you got good skill and you got a good coach but your team hasn't gone through enough adversity and I think that losing to Columbus in the first round uh, really was that type of turning point for Tampa and then you know another year of really good players putting a good season together with uh, Hedman and, and Kucherov and all those guys and look what they've done without Stamkos so I think it's been pretty amazing all that said I am absolutely completely shocked that Dallas is where they are and how uh, their goaltending with Kidobin has been you know terrific so at this point with Dallas winning game one I don't think it should necessarily surprise anybody if if Dallas were to win but you know going into game two I just still have my money on Tampa uh I, I I'm not gonna let Ryan be the only one to put you on the spot here uh your boldest prediction for this offseason what's what's the one bold move Jeremy Rutherford sees happening this offseason oh is it that the uh Rangers aren't going to pick the consensus number one overall guy. No, they will be picking <laughs> Lafreniere. Relax, Jeremy. <laughs> I mean, if you look, if if you think uh, if you were amazed that St. Louis fans were so nice about Jim Rutherford in their mentions, if you want some anger, you can for sure say that New York will yeah. be happy to provide it. <laughs> no, I've uh, known John Davidson a long time, and uh, he's the one who uh, showed me some media ropes actually here in St. Louis. You know, coming from the broadcast booth and taken over as president years ago and and uh, i'll never forget he said uh, a couple of things he said to me big boy what's up with this humidity here in st louis and i had to explain the, the weather to jd and then <laughs> what helped what he helped me with was uh he said jeremy it's a marathon not a sprint you develop relationships and be good to people and they'll be good to you and 
and so anyway, not to get sidetracked there, but just, uh, you know, the go back pretty far with John Davidson and, you know, he's doing a terrific job uh, with that Rangers team. And obviously you got the, the ball to bounce your way and get that number one pick and you got the bread man there. So uh, good things for the Rangers, but in terms of a bold prediction, uh, shoot, let's see. Um, Classic sports writer trope. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think of the big names in the headlines. I mean, are we talking about uh, Vegas trading flurry? That probably wouldn't be too bold. Um, that seems like it's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, unless they trade him, unless they trade him back to Pittsburgh, then I guess that's bold. <laughs> that, there's my bold. I don't know. I I think this isn't really a prediction, but you know, just having a conversation here, this this off season is just so different. Like I've covered the Blues for 16 years, and and I mean, we're going to be talking about free agency early October draft. Strange. And then do things go into hibernation, you know, or teams making a bunch of trades in those two months, three months before the season gets going. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I got to plead with you here to get, to get a mulligan on this prediction just because I don't know what to expect this off season. To be honest with you. you know, you know what? I'm, I'm going to let you out of it, Jeremy, because you actually triggered something that uh, makes me ask a, a more interesting question, at least for Ranger fans, as someone who knows John Davidson better than I would say 99.9% of our audience and, 100% of the people who you are currently talking to right now. Can confirm. How do, how do you think John Davidson is handling the Henrik Lundqvist situation? Yeah, that's a tough one. Um, you know, I'm not there every day. I do read, you know, the headlines. I do read that, you know, there's, you know, buyout potential there. Um, the one thing I can tell you about John Davidson is that he has a ton of respect for people like Henrik who've meant so much to the game have meant so much to the city. And I believe without knowing a ton about how, you know, how things are going at the moment that he's going to do everything he can to stay classy. And it might mean making a hard decision and it might mean moving on. But I think what I saw from John when he was in St. Louis is, you know, he knows hockey better than a lot of people. Uh, but with JD, he realized that in order to do that job, it's going to take tough decisions. And he made some here in St. Louis. And, uh, you know, he became more than just a face of the Blues, you know, revitalization. Uh, he became a guy who was trying to get this team back on the map. And, and uh, you know, I think he did his best. And then he goes to Columbus and, and tried to even, you know, further strengthen that. And so if, if I could just scratch the surface on answering your question, I know that John Davidson will handle it with as much dignity as, uh, as possible and try to make uh, whatever transaction they make as smooth as possible. Jeremy, thank you so much for joining us tonight. I accidentally just shipped you a bunch of my business cards in case you run into John Davidson ever again. And we'll hopefully have you back on uh, sometime in the future if anything happens with the Blues. Yep, no problem, no problem. Yep, I can hear him now. Big boy, how's it going? (laughs) Jeremy, have a wonderful uh, night, man. All right, we'll see you guys. Thank you, man. Hey, we're back. Great interview with Jeremy. We didn't get to do the five-star questions beforehand, so we decided to do them now. So if you want to leave a five-star question, super easy. Go to iTunes, leave a five-star review for the show. We'll leave a question, we'll answer it on the show. Got a couple of them this week. We'll try and get through them as we go here. Gregory, here we go. 
This is from Tyler. But before before oh. we go, hold on. Before, sorry, not to cut you off. No, please. Uh, but we talked about it before we hit record here. Oh yes. I think it's important for us to correct. Yes. Something we said previously. I, I, on I, I said it, so I will do it. I said Sean Shapiro. He actually voted for somebody else because I saw him respond with like the emoji hand up thing. But the the person who did vote for number one overall, the only person to vote for Adam Fox number first overall in the Calder, is Murat Atesh. And Murat is, as you know, if you listen to this podcast. Is one of our favorite people and maybe the nicest person alive. Period. Like I, it's very close. I don't even know who I'm comparing him yet. So it's just him, um, and I, I want to give him full credit. And he's going mini viral now on Rangers Twitter. So congratulations, Murat. Great, great job, Jets beat writer. It, I just, it's it's funny because we sing Murat's praises so hard we all ride. the time. We simp hard just for Murat. Completely. We'll be talking. We'll be talking about the San Jose Sharks with Kevin Cruz. And we'll just somewhere in the podcast we'll be like, hey man, have you talked to Marat recently? Great guy. How great is that guy? <laughs> <laughs> like out of nowhere. Like it, it's not even about anything he's talking about. We'll be talking about how Kevin LeBanc is from somewhere on Long Island. Yeah. And we'll just be like, hey, you know, you know who I would love to be stuck on an island with at one point in my life? Marat Atesh. That guy is great. <laughs> I still I will find myself occasionally. It hap- I no no shit. This is this is not bullshit. I believe it. At least twice a month, I think about the story Marat told us about the cab driver trying yes. to get Marat yes. to the Winnipeg Jets game in the middle of a legitimate 20-foot blizzard. While he's podcasting like, I think about with that story us all the time. He's, dude, he was in the cab and he was like, hold on, I'm paying my cabbie. I was like, are you in the cab in a snowstorm podcasting? He's like, yes. I was like, what? <laughs> Stay safe, you psychopath. So uh, nice. he is he's he is quite honestly. A gem. And if you're not totally. following him now, yeah, he, please do. he, I don't know if you saw this when we were in quarantine, he was like fostering dogs for a while. Yeah, he was just like, I think he's still doing it. He was like fostering so good dogs. He was like, they're not for me. I'm just giving them a good home. I love them very much, but I'm giving them somewhere else. I was like, oh my God. Yeah. Like, let, let me put it this way. Uh, I, the half the world's population is smart enough to not have children with me. But if I were to ever have a daughter, I would want my daughter dating someone as close to Murat Atesh's just genuine personality as humanly possible. I agree. I totally agree. All right. Let's, uh, now that we've simped for Murat, who we'll have on very soon, of course. I mostly just want to hang out and see what he's up to. I legitimately have already DM'd him asking about you. All right. Let's get to some five-star questions. This one's from Tyler. Um, I keep seeing the, uh, the ongoing point that Lundqvist buyout but if we don't buy him out and still trade Georgiev, what's holding the Rangers back from resigning Lundqvist the following season to a one-year deal as backup? It gives Tyler Wall and Huska time to develop in Hartford, mentorship for Chesty, and draws picks in for Georgiev. I just feel like it's a win-win situation for the Rangers, and, and Hank hopes getting a cup of staying on as a Ranger. Love the podcast. Keep it up. Thanks, Tyler. I think they might. They would kind of love to do that, but they're obsessed with Georgiev. They truly are. Uh, you know, I've heard it multiple places. I, we've both heard it, right? Like, it constantly comes out. I, I, well, let me let, let me see if I understand this correctly. So we're saying the Rangers buy out Hank. Hank plays one year wherever he no, plays. No, I, I, th- I think it was instead trade Georgiev, keep Hank, and then sign him another year afterwards to be the backup. So uh, two more I, years. Yeah, it, it, they just they just love the, the proper. If the New York Rangers wanted to do this properly, they would simply keep Hank and trade Georgiev because there's just there's more trade value there. So if we're talking about bringing in assets to help the rangers this next year and the years thereafter yep um that would be the proper move honestly i think there's value to doing both of buying out hank and trading georgiev 
I just, I don't see the value in paying two goalies. And again, I don't know how much clearer it can be that the Rangers can say whatever they want to say. There's just like the 1% guy. possibility that Igor starts less than 60% of the Rangers games moving forward. So it's, it's very clear that the, it, the Rangers can say the nice things about having a one and a one a, but it's very clearly going to be a one and a two. And if I, I we're not going I don't think either of us are necessarily convinced that Georgiev is the real deal. Uh, but the Rangers seemingly are. They love so them, dude. We can say, yeah, like you said, we can say all of these different scenarios that the Rangers could do, should do. The the fact is, what the Rangers are going to do is keep Georgiev, and they're going they're going to play him and pay him to be a backup. This next question is from Boom Chakalaka, which is fun to say. Three, three, two, two, one. Hey guys, love the podcast. In light of Yusper Fast's recent comments, it is unlikely he will return. Who do you think will be his replacement? Kravstov, Gauthier, Kako? Let me know what you think. I, it's I, it's like impossible to replace Jesper Fast, like what he actually brings uh, on the ice. I, I I say impossible to replace as I'm like phrasing his offensive talent or his, or he's the reason that Artemi Panarin was third in the heart voting. But I, I mean mostly like his, his penalty kill and his two-way play. Like you, It's really hard to find two-way players that Jesper Fast. So I wouldn't say it's, it's any of the players you named. Like... Could Gauthier, like, event, like, get to that level? I would love if he did. I don't know if he will, but Kako and Kravstov are not going to be replacing what Jesper Fast does on this team at all. Yeah, it, it's there's a reason why Jesper Fast is so important to this specific group of New York Rangers skaters. It's mostly because the Rangers don't have a defensively-minded forward like that currently in the system. Uh, I... I think part of the problem is the Rangers think the man rocket is that player. Uh, but besides being a man rocket who can get it, mm-hmm. we haven't seen anything to prove that Brett Howden is capable of those defensive responsibilities. Um, right, quite like, honestly, I, what, they, what were you saying? They, were say, they would say in the playoffs, like, you know, he did well in the PK. And there was some video that a, a couple of people sent me that break it down. Like it wasn't that bad. I think Brett, Brett Howden gets it too hard. I really do. Um, I don't understand really, and we'll, we're still retired, and we're gonna stay retired for we're, right yeah, now. I, there will come a day where we can talk about it again, but right now we're still in the man actually retired yep. part of our Brett Favre retirement, so we can't right. quite talk about it. Yeah. Uh, I am gonna pull up. I, I don't know if uh, we we talk about him all the time, and I've been trying to get him on the podcast. Uh, Mike McCurdy, who is absolutely fantastic, and I love looking at his uh, his charts. Yeah, Gautier just he doesn't really have the defensive background. That's what I was that thinking. Jesper Fast has. Like he's a he's a big body and he's fast, so you would think that there would be some defensive responsibility there. But but his positioning one, the isn't great. Really, well, it's not just that; it's just we don't have enough of the. There's not a big enough sample size to say one way or the other what he's capable of Correct. doing. He's been in so the maybe, NHL for like a minute and a half, so like, like right. he and could do it, but it's not Kako or Kraft. It would be it would be unfair to assume that he could naturally step into that position. Uh, it, quite honestly. Another reason why I brought up the name Alex Kerfoot today on Twitter is if the Rangers can't bring back Jesper Foss, they need to find forwards that can help this team defensively because uh, they don't exist on this roster, quite quite simply. They really don't. I don't think the Rangers have anyone currently that could fill in for what Jesper Foss does well. Uh, it's There are players out there, like we've talked about guys like Trevor Lewis a little bit. We've talked about Philip Deneau, if the Rangers want to pony up on the trade market. Those players are available. Dunno is interesting. Um, I, I, yeah, I, Dunno is super interesting to me. But there's no. I, I would say if you're expecting the Rangers to fill that vacancy in house, you might as well hope the Rangers just 
kind of lean into the fact that they're going to have to outscore their own shortcomings and they should try to give like the only, the only reason you could give Kako that role is if you're just going to say, screw it. We're going to try and score five goals a game because we're going to let up four. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Kako needs a lot of work on his defense. Obviously uh, he showed a, he showed a good amount in the playoffs, but there's a lot to yet to be seen. Next question is from Ranger fans rock. Two of my favorite podcast hosts. I was wondering what trades you could see happening with the 22nd overall pick if the Rangers were to move it. Keep up the good work. You guys are the best. We'll be talking a little bit about that on our BSBOT this week, which will be coming out Wednesday, covering the Athletic Mock Draft. You can find it in the A1 section right now on theathletic.com. I, or maybe it was already yesterday. But anyway, the Athletic.com has this new section. It's A1. It's the premium story of the day. They did an awesome mock draft. We'll be covering on the OT. So we'll kind of save that question for that. Nicely done, Ryan. Thank you. Nicely done. Thank you. I, I tried to do my best. This is from the P-Bowling to Washington 777. I think I did that right. Hey, guys. Andrew here. Best New York Rangers podcast. Thank you. Do you think Panarin could be moved to right wing if Booch gets traded? This could even out our top six forwards with Kreider and Laff on the left and Kako and Panarin on the right. What do you think? I think you don't move somebody who just finished third in the heart and probably should have finished second from their natural position. Could he do it? Yeah, I believe Panarin could do it. But do you want to have his optimal self playing on your team moving forward? Yes. Like, do well, I... Um... Go on, go on. Oh, no, no, finish, finish. I, I, do, do I think, like, the Rangers would like Lafreniere to play center? Yeah, of course they do. But he's played wing his whole life. They're not going to try and get him... They might try and get him to adjust, but Panarin's a much older player at this point. I don't think they'll switch him over. I think the better question is, what are we training... Buchnevich for are we convinced that trade happens for a left-handed defenseman because I mean there are scenarios where the Rangers trade Buchnevich for a proven top six center and then by trading Buchnevich they decide that Ryan Strom is someone they want to keep around so now all of a sudden the guy replacing Pavel Buchnevich is actually Philip Hedl on the wing uh it I, I I just I think that specific question leaves open a couple variables that I need answered as well um I do think I will say, and I've, I think we've said this before, that the NHL is slowly creeping towards positionless hockey where I think the center position will be important, but I think your wingers will be able to maybe more fluidly coexist with each other on the ice without having to be married to one side or the other. So I don't think it's an impossibility, but I'm with you. Uh, I don't think we worry about anything Artemi Panarin has done or could do, and we kind of let him be him. Uh, this is from Rangers Forever. This question kind of feels pretty petty, but I'm wondering if you guys know about legendary Islander smuck Frankie Bor- Borelli. Oh, yes, we do. Or or if it feels like he's a famous because his family owns a restaurant in my hometown. Is it good or bad that my favorite thing about the Long Islanders, uh, the Long Islanders, the Islanders losing is seeing him cry on Twitter? No, I don't think that's wrong, but I, I don't hate Borelli for being a diehard Ranger fan. Like, I mean, Islander sorry, fan. Islander fan, Jesus. Uh, or Kako, rather, sorry. Uh, it's... I, I think it's it's fine. Like, I think I'd be yelling at myself if I said that. I would do stuff that he's doing. Like, I I I don't think he's like, I don't think he's overall bad. I think it's fun to laugh, laugh at your uh your rivals' famous fans. And I think if we were in the uh, Stanley Cup Finals or about to be in the Stanley Cup Finals and Easter Conference Finals, and I was recording myself in my whole attire, I imagine a lot of Islander fans will be laughing at me and posting pictures of me crying and et cetera. And I wouldn't blame them one bit. So I, I don't. I, I like to be petty. I I don't know Frankie at all, but I don't. I don't I have no problem with super fans on teams. You remember when we when I got in a weird Twitter fight with Kevin Connolly? 
That was that was wild. <laughs> the guy that was from weird. Entourage. Was that this year? I think that was this man, year. Twenty twenty's been a ride. Was I in Vegas? I was in Vegas. Oh man. Oh god. Yeah. That was this year. Jesus, yeah. what has happened? Again, this year? If, um, if being a diehard fan is awesome. Like I, I commend that. Yeah, I, I. I think I've made my opinions about Barstool well known on this podcast. I don't need to say them again. I just. It's a personal choice for. The people who make it just understand that. Oh, under, I just hope everyone understands the choice they are making there. Um, I don't give a shit about Borelli. I don't give a shit about the Islanders. Good for them. I will say it as as much as uh, as as much as I know it makes other Ranger fans happy and you happy since you're such a big Islander hater yourself. Uh, it, it, it's a small bummer that Offside Tavern, which I don't think we've talked about on this podcast, yeah, is coming to a close now for a minute on because this. of yeah it. I, I I was I, I would have been fine if the Islanders went to the Stanley Cup final just for the good people at Offside Tavern because they've been nothing but great to us. We've had some really fun events there. Yeah, we did um, Ranger Islander games at an Islanders bar in New York City. It's called Offside yeah. Tavern, and uh, it they they treated us right, and they were really nice, even though we were their arch rivals. They were super cool to us. Yeah. So no, I don't. You guys, however, anyone like, look, I've everybody knows I laugh at philly fans for anything and everything and would go out of my way to make a philly fan feel worse about themselves even though that's an impossibility in itself because if you're a philly fan you have to know how shitty you are uh shout out meg i hope owen is doing well wow oh, baby owen. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> holy shit uh, not my kid by the way yeah but uh yeah i don't know like however you guys want to get through the day go for it i i don't care about barstool i don't care about Borelli. i did it good for him Hopefully he shuts up. There you go. I mean, he won't. Uh, Brox111 says, Hey, guys, love the show. Thanks for the distraction from this crazy world. Now that uh, uh, Brodeen just re-signed, I think he spelled it totally different, Brodeen, or I can't read. That's probably true, too. Who is your number one lefty target, not named Sergachev? And what would the realistic package oh, slash offer be? Thanks from Rox. It's, it's not Vince Dunn anymore. Yeah. Vince Dunn anymore. Yeah. Jeremy out here pouring cold water on us. Good yeah. Lord. Everybody we call is like, hey, no chance, dudes. And we're like, oh, please. Uh, yeah, I don't really have one right now. Like, I don't have like a fancy. I was kind of like on for Brodeen. I thought that would be, would be an option. I really did. But they smartly signed him to uh, maybe a little bit overpriced contract, but I'm not sure. So I'd, I think that I, I think six million is very fair for one of the best straight up defenseman in the NHL. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm searching for a new boo like you are, Ryan. I, I, it was Vince Dunn until today. I would have, if you had, if this same question was asked last week, we would have said Vince Dunn. I don't think we would have hesitated. Yeah. Um, uh, unfortunately, now, yeah, even though I host the show, I'm a little bit off Twitter these days. So I, I haven't really done the deep dive. Once I get back from vacation next week, I will see who's out there for left-handed defenseman. Yeah, we're, we're, we're looking for new boos. You got, you guys can, you guys can, say names and suggest and we'll do some digging and see how realistic it is. I mean, I guess we should go look to see if the jets have anyone because Murat is probably going to come back on the podcast next week. So we might as well. Yeah. Love Murat. Great guy. All right. This is from Laffy Taffy 11. <laughs> hey there guys. New Yorker in St. Paul, Minnesota, the lightning signed this crazy cap friendly deals. And I've heard just because Florida has no income tax. So how come? So, so those contracts pay for themselves at a larger contract. And uh, rather he's saying, they're cheaper. They kind of 
they have an advantage. Okay. Why, why isn't the cap calculated after tax? This guy is so smart. I don't even know. This is so much math already. It would still give Florida an advantage because they're spending less money than their other owners. Is there something I'm missing here? Also, love the podcast for getting, through the, getting me through the pandemic and looking forward to this dynasty. Us too. I, don't, I can't answer the tax question. I'm sure there's like some legal loophole as to why they can't do the cap afterwards, but the cap is the way well, it is. Uh, boy, I am not a CPA. Yeah, neither. I don't pretend to be a CPA. We could bring Jeff, we could bring Jeff on, but, our devil's expert. Yeah, we, we could. I, like, in my head, mm-hmm. eight point, like, when someone signs an $8.5 million contract, that's how much the team is spending, but that's not how much the player is getting, right? So it's not the, it's not that, it's not like, it's not like when the Rangers sign Jacob Trouba to an $8 million contract, they then have to pay another $2 million on top of it for tax purposes. It's not like they're at the checkout counter yep. in the grocery store. And while the item says three ninety nine, dollars it actually comes out to four seventeen. dollars Like, the Rangers spent $8 million. It's just that Jacob Trouba isn't getting the full eight because it's in New York. So is the question... Should the Rangers then only be capped at seven point six million dollars because four hundred thousand of it is going to the state? No, because the Rangers spent eight million dollars to make it happen. You know, so it's like I understand. I understand. I understand what the heart of this question is trying to ask. I just don't think that's how economics work. Question mark. I think what I want to say is we're really dumb, and usually we try and answer these questions the best as possible, and that one is too much for us. Okay. Right, and <laughs> I I think part of the problem is it's not just that Tampa Bay Lightning players get more of their contract by playing in Florida. It's also that they apparently really like playing in Tampa Bay, which we have never been able to wrap our minds around. The culture, Gregory. You don't understand. Braden Point's going to take a bridge deal. Oh, listen, uh, Steve's tells us all the time about the damn culture, uh, but I'm just going to remind uh, Mikhail Sergachev that, uh, or uh, no, I'm going to remind Sorelli that he wasn't his first choice. Since we're pumping up, since we're pumping up other player, uh, other uh, of our friends right now, not players, uh, Matthew Estevez, criminally underfollowed. Great. Does a great job. With criminally underfollowed. What is everybody doing? I don't know. He's great. I, I love talking to Matthew. All right. Uh, Next question. Uh, I'm going to read this one quick because it's really funny. This is from Cap- Captain Dick Rip. It just says, LOL, imagine oh. living in Sunrise, Florida. I can't. I can't. You know why I can't? Because I'm, I'm below the age of 55. Yeah. Well, this leads us right into the next question. This is why I did it. Good hosting. Uh, this is from Creamy Hamstrings. Hmm. Oh my God. Uh, what will it take to get Alex uh, Barkov from Florida? I want to put this idea into the universe. I don't think it's that far-fetched. Hear me out. Florida won't be able to afford him in two years. They have a new GM potentially looking to blow everything up. And he wasn't Coach Q's first pick for the captain of the team. He costs. He's perfect He's perfect fit for centering Panarin and Kako. He's from Finland with Russian citizenship. citizenship. Wow, this is pretty good case so far. Okay. He's excellent defensively and others with uh, offers a big-bodied center to play in all areas. I don't think he needs to be persuaded either uh, of... By either of you to get, to get out of Sunrise, Florida, he would cost an arm and a leg. But we have the assets, and quite frankly, what is the point of keeping these assets if you're not going to break a top six or top four player in? Here's my initial offer. Feel free to change or bash it as you see fit. D'Angelo, Heedle, Kraftstoff, and the Carolina first for Barkov. Great job on the show. 
favorite Ranger podcast out there. Thank you so much, Creamy Hamstring. So Heedle, Kravstov, Carolina First, and D'Angelo for Barkov. Uh, I'm going to say my gut reaction. Now, this is, again, every time we get one of these trade offers in, I do we like try this to one. look at it. We, we look at it. We look at it from what we think is correct and not from what NHL GMs think is correct. From where I Clearly. sit, in my opinion, my humble opinion, it would cost you a Jack Eichel package to get Alex Barkov. That's what it should cost you. He laid out a lot of good reasons why it might not cost us that. Uh, we have to see what Bill Zito is capable of. I think it was a lot more likely when Dale Talon was there. Agreed. A lot of our Barkov uh, trade dreams went out the window with Dale Talon because that guy, big dum-dum. Um, it's tough. I would love Barkov. That's the same reason why I don't think the Panthers should ever trade him. Yeah. He also, the one thing possibly working in the favor of teams that want to poach. I hope Creamy Hamstrings like is an the, agent. I hope this is like actually being done. And this was like a way to leak it to us. Well, one, I, we've heard enough. I don't know if you have, but I, I've seen enough. I've heard enough to suggest that there's a possibility that Panthers might be imposing their own different cap on finances this year because of COVID-19. So it's while the salary cap is $81.5 million, the Panthers might have an operational budget around 70. Um, If that's the case, there are going to be players available via trade with the Panthers that otherwise wouldn't be. It's, it's tough. I would, I would give up. Rightfully, I would give up a lot for Barkov. Um, If he's available, the New York Rangers are one of the few organizations that have the tangible assets to go get him. It's a, it's a great dream. He's a perfect player for this team in this point in their window. He's a guy you would want to build around. I, I can't sit here and say what it would take to get. I, I, the easiest I can say is I think it's a Jack Eichel package, but that doesn't mean it's what it will actually cost. This question is from FBI 2.0, a very frequent commenter. Hey guys, thanks for all you do with the podcast. Two quick questions again. What happens uh, during the upcoming New York Rangers regular season for the upcoming season to be considered a success? Or what has to happen? What needs to happen, rather? Is it better team defense, getting rid of bad contracts, prospects developing? What is it? I I think we've answered this before. They need to... I personally think they need to be the number eight seed in the East, at least. Uh, I I don't think this is the year they make their super deep cup run. And I think they could miss the playoffs by an eyelash. But if the New York Rangers aren't in the playoff conversation come the end of the season, I think that that is a distress. Again, I, I'm not saying that they have to go on a deep run. I'm honestly not even going to say that they have to absolutely make the playoffs. But if the Rangers aren't one of the 10 best teams in the East this year, I, I think you have reason to worry and wonder and question. That's fair. For me, it's to see what Artemi Panarin and Mika Zibanejad do the year after career years, if it's real or if that was just a career year. A lot of players have those. Can you be consistent? Can Kako take a step forward? There'll be You'll hear us every single week talking about all this. So don't worry, we'll come back. Um, the second question, which I just lost with my eyes. All right, here it is. After seeing the NHL slash NBA playoff bubble and the way the MLB and the NFL are handling the regular season, what can the NHL take away from those strategies to ensure rather a successful regular season and playoff. Well, the bubble works. There's no doubt about it. It works. Yeah, the, bu- the bubble. The bubble works. 
It's if the but players I, will agree to do it for a full season, which I have a hard time believing that's going yeah, to happen. I can't imagine it. And also, you can't put the entire Eastern Conference in one bubble and the entire Western Conference in one bubble. So we'd have those regional bubbles that we heard rumors about. And it's different. Look, like, if you're just playing the Metro for, like, a month and a half, I think you'd lose yeah. some steam there. Yeah, baseball... Obviously has not been perfect. It's been at points concerning. It's probably gone as well as we could have thought it would have gone. The fact that only two teams truly had significant outbreaks is probably best case scenario for them. Uh, The NFL is not going to give a shit. We've always said this. They're going to do whatever they want to do. It's all about the bottom line. I mean, it, it won't be COVID that destroys the NFL. I don't know if ACLs are going to exist no. after what happened oh this week. Oh, my God. Uh, dude, like four 49ers tore their ACLs. It's incredible. And, of course, Saquon as well. Trust me, um, I know. Yeah, I, I, yo, baby, I do. Uh, yeah, it's it, – I don't know. It's really tough. I To me, where I sit, Ryan, I don't think you can have a genuine 82-game regular season without – traveling to other like it, it would need to be like you can't a month, play in, the, a month in the metro, metro bubble it's the metro yeah you can't do 82 so you'd have to do like a month and then a little bit of a break and then switch it off like you'd have to switch the bubbles every couple months and that is a nightmare i as don't is. see that I, that's that's not to me that's not feasible yeah that'd be like having six different two-week olympic breaks built in because uh, yeah. the rangers have to go to the dallas bubble now for to play seven games like for the NHL to have an 82-game season, I think they need to be able to do what the MLB is doing at minimum. But I don't think you can just play like you can't you can't you can't do it regionally. I think the NHL is going to have a lot of hard questions, and hopefully, I, God, we're going to sound like a broken record because I think we said this in April. Like in April, we were hoping the NHL would have more knowledge about coronavirus in July. Dude, we don't uh, have more knowledge. Come- yeah, didn't didn't come to pass. Yeah. So while I sit here on in mid late September and wonder if the NHL will have enough information by January, Lord knows that ain't going to be a thing. Uh, I, it, I I I honestly don't know. We know the bubble works, but a 82 game season in the bubble is not feasible. Not for the players. Not for the schedule structuring. Not for the poor services of ice that are going to be used and abused. Uh, I don't know. I, I I do not envy the people that are going to have to sit in the NHL offices and figure out what the hell they're going to do. Me Let me put it that way. Two, I think it's an impossible question to answer. Three more really quick questions. Uh, this is from DC from Long Island. Uh, DC from Long Island. Now that Minnesota has expected to move on Miko Ko- Mika Mika Koivu, sorry, it's it's Mika, right? Miki Miki Koivu. I don't know. Do you guys think the Rangers? Would be- yeah, I, I'm, I'm terrible at this, as you know. Brother of Stacko Koivu, I believe. Uh, do you think the Rangers would consider the Finland legend a target on a cheap one-year I, I mean, I'm on record saying he'd be a great one. It's it's going to come down to does Koivu want to continue to play hockey? Never said his first and name. And if he does, how much money does he want? But he, one of the best defensive centers there are in the NHL. I can't imagine – I can't imagine – a different center with his legacy playing between a number two overall pick and a number one overall pick 
in basically ushering them into the NHL. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have the obvious Finnish connections with Kako, which we know was uh, whatever the Rangers could do to make Kako feel more at home. Sure would go a long way. Um, if if Koivu wants to do it, it makes a whole lot of sense. He he won't be a guy that will block Philip Heedle from getting more ice time. He will help you. We talked about how the Rangers replaced Jesper Faust. He will absolutely help defensively as a forward. Uh, I just I wouldn't want Ranger fans to think that he's going to come here and all of a sudden score like twenty goals. That's not his mo. Don't expect that. He's also surprisingly as good as he is defensively. Doesn't play on the penalty kill, which I find very interesting. That's interesting. Um, but yeah, if if look if Koivu wants to wants to play another year in the NHL. I think the New York Rangers should be at the head of the class when it comes to trying to get them. Uh, this is from Adam. It's more of a compliment. It's our friend Adam Hees. Uh, the number one podcast for any New York Rangers fans. Stay tuned to what's going on in the Rangers world. Ryan and Greg are funny as hell and keep me listening for the entire duration of the episode. As a Mets fan as well, I'm happy to know my pain is not endured alone. Again, great job by the host oh setting this up is, because is the, fi- oh the final question. I love Adam, by the way. Really nice guy. Um, this is from original MC1. Hey, fellas, Mike from New Haven again. Greg, you mentioned last week that retired numbers in regards to the Rangers. Who, uh, by the way, if you follow the podcast, follow me on O'Reilly. <laughs> follow Greg at Blue Shirts Break. We'll be back next week. Here's some Mets. Oh, oh, it's a Ranger question. It's a Mets question. <laughs> yeah. Got it, got it, got it. Got it. What, uh, what, what say you about certain Mets and their place in the Raptors in City? Besides Doc, whom you mentioned, what, and someone like David Wright, who I'm sure will get that honor in the future. Have I mentioned Doc? Did I, I mention Doc? I think we talked about him recently. Tug McGraw, Keith Hernandez, Daryl Strawberry, Al Leiter, and John Franco. Who are some other retired numbers? Oh, your your boy. Yeah, um, my boy, John Franco. So the Mets were getting ready to retire Jerry Kuzman's number before the pandemic happened. That that number is still going to get retired, and it's long, 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 long overdue. Uh, I'll, 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 save you, I'll save you the heartache, Ryan. I don't think John Franco's number should be retired. Hell yeah. Um, David Wright's obvious. Number five, no Met will wear number five again. I think... The Mets have taken it out of circulation. I think they should go ahead and retire number eight for Gary Carter. A Hall of Fame catcher, one of the most important pieces for the 86 World Championship team. It's a little weird that his his number... I guess the Mets also make the argument that his number's out of circulation, partially for Yogi Berra as well. I think they should just go ahead and retire eight for Gary Carter. I think we're at a point now with Keith Hernandez where you should retire 17 because he's just such a icon for the Mets, not just from a playing standpoint, but his presence in the announcing booth. Um, yeah, I there's a whole new one. generation. Yeah. There's a whole new generation of Met fans that love and appreciate Keith Hernandez. So I think 17 should be up there. Uh, maybe an unpopular opinion, but I've said it before. I don't think another New York Mets should wear the number 15. I think it's very clear that Carlos Beltran is one of the five best offensive players that have ever put on a Met uniform. His career is misremembered, underappreciated, and now again, because of all the shit that happened with the Astros and the fact that Beltran is not managing this team, once again misremembered. Just a car uh, going off outside my house right now. Fantastic. Yeah. All because I said the name Carlos Beltran. I think it was like, the John Franco. I, I don't know if Met fans I don't know if Met fans realize that if Car- when Carlos Beltran gets enshrined in Cooperstown, there's a very good chance he's going in with a New York Met cap on his plaque. That's how good he was as a Met. Mute myself. Uh, I, so I think, I think you take fifteen out. I'm okay with not retiring Tug. I I, I love Tug. I, I he you know he crafted. You got to believe 
there's respect for that. I personally wouldn't retire Doc or Daryl, mostly because I just when you think '86, I for me they're important, but God, it's hard to it's it's hard to deal with the demons there a little bit because um, you ask the questions as to why the Mets didn't win more, and it's hard not to be like, well, it's because their two best players tanked their careers through addiction. Um, like it's, it's not entirely their fault. It's probably me grand grandstanding too much. And I wear that I'd be okay. There's a place in Mets history for both of them. But I like, I put doc and Daryl on the same plane. I put Edgardo Alfonso on where I love Fonzie, but I also wouldn't retire 13. Um, to me, it's just, I would retire David Wright, Carlos Beltran and Keith Hernandez. I don't know if I retire more than that. I really don't. And that's the show. We'll be back uh, Wednesday morning talking about the athletic mock draft and some other things. So come back uh, for the car alarms and all these other things. We'll tell you, see oh, you Oh, I, I guess I should also say, since he's pitching right now, if Jacob oh. DeGrom continues doing these things, yeah, I'd retire 48 too. I think you do it already. So there you go. All right, we'll be back uh, later in the week. And then, of course, back next week. Love you guys. Bye. Explore Beyond the Stratosphere in Museum of the Bible's compelling exhibition, Scripture and Science, Our Universe, Ourselves, Our Place, in Washington, D.C., open now through January 15th, featuring artifacts from trailblazers in history like Isaac Newton, Nicholas Copernicus, and hidden figures like Dorothy Vaughn. This exhibit guides you through groundbreaking discoveries and thought-provoking questions. Come and see how Scripture and Science have shaped our world. Get your tickets today at museumofthebible.org.